Hello and welcome. My name is Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Mail podcast. On today's episode, Ian and I are joined by Nicholas Brash. Nick has been a full-time writer for almost 20 years. He's the author of more than 350 books, mainly for children and young adults, for many leading international publishers, several of which have won Australian and international awards. He also teaches professional writing at Swinburne University, presents workshops and seminars on writing and storytelling, and is the founder of Writers in Residence, a company that provides writing services to the corporate market. In the media section, we talk about Crazy Rich Asians, The Handmaid's Tale, The Meg, Sherlock, and we also branch into the idea of risk-taking in media and the arts. For the topic, we chat about the writer's life and its changing expectations. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in contacting me on my email, mailbox at penofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We are back at the Brunswick Street Bookstore, and I am joined by... Actually, I don't think it's Ian. I think it's... Is it Mr. Internet Famous? Ian Laking, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Joel. Good, good to be here. Uh, how, how does it feel walking down from the mountains with clouds at your feet? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel you may be overstating it a little bit, but yeah, that's Am all I? right. You know, right. it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting week and a bit. So, for oh, people who aren't so self absorbed, um, <laughs> tell us <laughs> t- tell us what you're there referring to. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, thank you. Low, no, low. look. Uh, no, look, there have been a few tweets that have kind of gone uh, a bit... A few. A bit viral, that's oh, fine. Oh, shush. Yeah, no, anyway, that's fine. But uh, what it's basically meant is that my Twitter notifications have been very busy. And, um, yep, that's fine. So there might be a few people listening who come across this from a tweet. Who knows? Who knows? But that's all right. It's fine. I have to state this. If you have come from Ian's tweet... Please email the podcast. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Right, you have the email on the podcast page. Please email me. Yep. I would love to hear why you're listening to this from that tweet. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, All snark aside. Literally 27 million uh, impressions of a kangaroo jumping wow. into a sack. There you go. That's the that's the internet, folks. You, you can't beat cuteness. No, you can't beat. It is pretty cute. To that's be fair. true. It is pretty cute. So, there we go. There, that, that was my week, Joel. That was that was the entirety that was it, of just, your week. You know, sitting there on my notifications. Why not? There we go. <laughs> let's, let's keep it at that. Thank you for coming on. That's happy to be here. making time. I've I've turned off Twitter for a minute just All for right. you, just for me. I feel honoured. Uh, we have a guest today, ladies and gentlemen, as we usually do. Nick Brash, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Fantastic to have you. How have you been, Nick? What's your be- week been like? Oh, I've been recovering from surgery, actually. Oh. I, had, I had eye surgery, uh, pretty pretty major eye surgery. So uh, I've been recovering from that. Yeah. Um, um, the recovery was worse than the operation. The recovery involved... Mm looking down at the ground for 50 minutes in every hour for five days. Oh, Uh, my goodness. uh, So I could not – I had this – gas bubble put into my eye as part of the yeah. treatment and so I had to keep my head down so I was only allowed to raise my head for 10 minutes in every hour for five days go that was it's pretty boring oh it's pretty goodness. uh yeah like the operation itself 20 minutes no problem but it's a recovery that was a good I mean did you so get you much go. done did you did you read or tv so or? okay so <laughs> reading wise it got a bit tired I, I, I couldn't read anything yeah. too deep or anything I, sure. I sort of looked at the newspaper a bit but it was a bit tiring yep. but I had planned hmm. 
I, I got this device, it's like a periscope. So yep. you position it ah, and yeah. you can watch TV by looking down through mirrors. Oh, so I had, was very excited about having five <laughs> days off work yep. and being able to catch up. I had set aside the time I was going to watch mm. Better Call Soul, which oh, I had oh, never oh, watched. Man. And then I yep, left yep. it aside going, That's right. it, I've got five days of Better Call Soul. Yep, yep, yep. So I come back from the hospital, I, 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 I rest, I, I get over it, I get up yep. and my internet's down. Oh, it no. got back up six days later. Oh, so I had Nick, no streaming services for that time. I all I had was free to air. Oh, oh, dear. oh dear, I wouldn't. Oh dear, wish that uh, on the. Oh, so that was doing enemy. that was doing my head in. Yep. So I actually rearranged my desk so that my because I'm a bit of a workaholic, mm. so that my monitor was flat on its back. Yep. And okay. I could look down at the monitor and the keyboard. Yep. yep. And over a bit of time, and I had lots of naps, I had lots of yep. rest, but I could do a little bit of work, and that stopped me from going insane. Wow. That's oh. my week. So I'm, I'm sorry I didn't look at Twitter, no. <laughs> but I wouldn't have. My, I didn't watch any furry, cuddly animals on social media. No, it's fine. It's fine, really. The I'll, one I'll... person on the internet yeah, that didn't see the tweet. No, well, you no. have a good excuse, I, though. I Nick. quite enjoy the fact that you know, usually people tell us a little bit about their week, but this is actually, oh my goodness, yeah. it's quite major. So. Well, the week before, I'd spend in the Barossa for, for work, a week in the Barossa Valley, which was magnificent. Yeah. yeah. And then I came back and had to endure the eye surgery and <laughs> yeah, five right. days with your head looking down it's not fun From heaven to hell Dear not fun dear. absolutely yeah but i'm i'm out and about and feeling wonderful wow i wonder what that surgery will look like in 10 years because i remember that people uh, mm, i heard true. a story of cataract operations where yeah. people would you know be in mm. a darkened room mm. you yes. know, for, for and the cataract is nothing now exactly right? mm. it, you know it's over in 20 minutes yeah and well, I had I had the same thing done on on the other eye about three years ago, mm, and yeah. when the diagnose, surgeon diagnosed this one, mm. and I did say to him, "Please tell me that the treatment it's, the, it's has better. moved on." Yeah, he yeah. Said, I'm afraid not. So oh, I knew what yeah. to expect. Okay, yeah. okay. Dearie so it wasn't, wasn't your first rodeo, at least. That's true. <laughs> no, no, the first time was much worse. Actually, you came prepared. Mm. There we go. Well, let's move on to the media section. I have a feeling that you didn't get a lot of media. Um, there, Nick, but beyond the previous week, <laughs> mm. um, before that, what have you been well, watching? Last, I did last weekend, I went to the movies. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, not my choice of movies, mm-hmm. my partner's, where I went, and it was an experience and not so much for the movie. I saw, I keep getting the name wrong, Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. I yes. saw that, which is not my normal thing, but mm. it was more the fact that because mm. I just had eye surgery, I booked yep. the tickets yep. for myself and my partner and her daughter. Yeah. Uh, who's 12. I booked the tickets uh, for two days after that. And mm. so we went along on the Saturday night. We went into the cinema. We yep. sat in our seats and these people came along and they said, I think you're in our seats. Yeah, yeah. So I went, oh, okay. I looked at my tickets yeah. and I said, which cinema is this? They said, Cinema 2. I said, ah, oh, this is Cinema 3. So we went to Cinema 3, sat down there. Yep. These people came and said, I think you're in our seats. <laughs> and I said, but Cinema 3, what movie is this? And they said, some other movie. I said, ah, oh, and I looked at the ticket more closely. I said, what's the date today? And they said the 15th oh, no. of September. And I looked at my tickets were for the 13th, the day that I'd booked them. Oh, and oh, so, goodness. but I, then I said, look, I've paid for the tickets. We haven't yeah, actually yeah. used <laughs> them. So let's go back into the cinema where Crazy Witch Asians yeah, yeah. and get three seats yeah. and hope for the best, <laughs> yep. which we did. Yep. And of course, the movie hadn't started. People come, please, you're in our seat. Yeah. We moved. Yep. We had to move again. We had to move. My partner's daughter was so embarrassed. Oh. She said, Can't we just go? No, no, yeah, let's yeah. Eight times we moved seats. Wow. Finally, 
when the movie started, we found these seats. Your resilience is right. so much more it than was mine. Just, so it was more the experience rather than yeah. the movie itself. Yeah. I would have jumped ship. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, you know. I think. That's fine. So, so that was my that's, that's experience. The movie itself was <laughs> fun, yeah. inoffensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, my my wife is Malaysian Chinese, and she absolutely raved about it. I didn't I didn't see it. I, I stayed home. Raved about it as in good or bad. Raved, really loved yeah, it. Yeah, okay. loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like wants to see it again as right. soon as possible. Right. Um, I I watched um watched the baby while she went out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but she absolutely raved right. about it. So loved it. So Ian, what about yourself? What have you been imbibing? Oh, well, you know, I haven't uh, I haven't done a lot of of reading in the last month, but mm-hmm. I have done a little bit of uh, catching up on TV shows. So I did catch up on um, The Handmaid's Tale, started to get into season two. Mm-hmm. Which um, of course moves on past the book. Mm. Now the book um, yes. spoilers, you know, kind of ends sure, ambiguously. Just, yeah, um, it's fine. Honestly, can you say spoilers for a book that's been out that long? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, there's a... you know, the the ambiguous ending of the book is fine, or in, into the light of the darkness or the light, and then it picks up again straight away yep. where it left off. Um, it's been interesting so far. A couple of episodes in, and my impression is uh, that. Um, I'm just, I always like, for things like that, I just take it as it is. I take it as an interpretation of the source material. I don't get annoyed if it doesn't stick to it too much. It's an adaptation. I hold it it lightly. But this has gone beyond the end of the book. And I'd say the one thing that frustrates me in writing for TV series is the escalation of violence um, to achieve impact. And and I've seen that in the second series. There's a couple of quite violent sections early on. for me, the point of Margaret Atwood's world there wasn't the violence itself. She didn't have to describe the violence in excruciating detail. That wasn't Retail, all, that, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was the violence of the regime yeah. and the way that it oppressed uh, people exactly. and, and women, obviously, specifically, yeah. was the thing. So for me, watching the actual actual violence begin to get played out rather than the threat of violence, I found to be quite um, yeah, quite challenging. Yeah, interesting. I, I held off from watching The Handmaid's Tale. I... I really enjoyed the book, as, I, as I've said on a couple of podcasts. Mm. I thought it was one of those works that I read in formative years, which is interesting. Mm. Um, and yeah, it left a great impression on me and then decided never to touch yeah, anything that yeah. was associated with it because I like it so much. Right. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I would feel quite conflicted if uh, there was an adaptation of The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. Mm. I love the book so much mm. um, that... You know, at the same time, I'm ve- I'm not precious at all when it comes with yeah. that, to adaptations because I believe adaptation is not just an iteration of the work. It is it is a in- entirely new medium that you're putting the story through. Yeah. Hence, there will be differences. So I'm not I'm hmm. not objecting to that. Yeah. But yeah, there are some books that I almost just you know yeah you just, just want to kind of crystallize it. I mean, I feel like that about some some stage shows for me. I, I do that. You know, like I saw Wicked. Yeah, um, on on Broadway, and I would never see it again because it was so well mm. done. I just course, don't. Ever, I don't want to unless I was taking someone. I think a, a child, just kind of some some things and books. Yeah. Some books like that. Yeah, I mean it's, it's why it was so remarkable when um, when the Lord of the Rings was adapted. How well that was done, and it was some things were frustrating in it. You know, no Tom Bombadil. You know, yeah, going to struggle with that. But you know, like and and it's curious the things you choose to watch based on that. It's, you know, <laughs> I loved the adaptation of Lord of yeah. the Rings. I thought it was a really good one, and yet I wish I didn't watch the hobbit because in my imagination that story was more interesting yeah, than, than i tapped out i didn't bother with the third one i, I agree like, yeah I'm, I'm, i mean it's a fight scene Ian. it so is literally that, yeah. just 
and a well, very long fight. Too. The other thing that I kind of delved into, um, I ordered the the blood. So Bloodborne is a game which um, both I've played and Joel played this year. It's uh, that Ian basically peer pressured me. I did. <laughs> it's so good. It is. It is HP Lovecraft yeah. come to life on um, on the screen, mm-hmm. um, and it is a brilliant piece. Of piece. It's an. I it's mean, a piece, you, it, it's art. We, yeah, it, we. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to say art because there's so many connotations that yeah, people yeah. have on video games, but with the work that. Um, Miyazaki, mm. the, the creator and designer, mm. put into the work. Yep. It's astounding. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really is visual medium, interactive visual medium at its finest. Yeah, it's really well done and an incredible story in terms of just the way they do it. So this is another adaption, um, and I'm uh, obviously they've licensed it, but um, there are two people. So it's done by the same people who do the video game series Dark Souls, and again, there are actual people online who do these fan comics and do them really well. Like the art is incredible, and they'll have a story, but because the story is always fairly vague in these games um, it allows you to put your own interpretation to what happens so you come into Bloodborne in the middle of this you know fall- world that's falling apart because of the activities of this nefarious church um, and it's left to your imagination as to how you got there so for someone to, to kind of come in and, and they can you can fill in the gaps you can do it because the canon is so loose yet yeah. you know precise in certain points but really loose Hmm. So game gaming narrative, uh, as someone who doesn't do gaming, yeah, right. I once did half a lap of Need for Speed, <laughs> and, but I couldn't work. But I couldn't work the. We should have a round the, the sometime. Yeah, and so I, I just went around in circles, yeah. and my three-year-old son lapped me. Um, <laughs> that's the only time I've ever picked up a console yeah. and done anything. It's fine. Yeah. But narrative, uh, mm. the narrative of gaming is very sophisticated, and yeah, I would have thought mm. lends itself very much to screen adaptation. Mm. And I believe oh. there has been some done, but. I don't know if any have been done particularly no, well. So I'm wondering really if, uh, mm. if if any have been done well in your views. No. no, no, there's not been one. I mean, I think about. I'm trying to think. We could list them down and just go flop after flop. You know, from yeah, well, Doom, I would have thought, yeah. Final Fantasy. They did a they did an anime adaption of Final Fantasy VII, which was which was well done. But then they, they also did one, The Spirits Within, which was terrible. I mean, the list goes on. The yeah. the, the primary. I wonder why the the primary. Mm. I think I feel like the Assassin's pri- Creed was the most recent one. Sorry. Yeah, and that was. Hot garbage. I haven't seen that. That, that was a did. film that everyone was so embarrassed and to be in. Michael Fassbender. He was embarrassed to be in. You, <laughs> you look at his interviews now, and he's like, "Look, every everyone gets a strike, guys. Yeah. Everyone. It's not like I read the script and still thought it was a good film." <laughs> yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. Charles. I'm sure you had a rant or <laughs> yeah, some Malibu fine. Mansion. You know. um, but the, the the I think the primary issue with a video game adaptation is that you have two audiences that you are trying to please. That I think mm. like this is one of the problems. You have your dedicated fan base sure, that wants a very game. specific yep. experience. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the people who will actually pay the tickets to watch the film. Mm. And the two of them have overlap. Mm. But I feel like trying to appeal to two markets, make it vague okay. as possible. Yeah. But couldn't you say the same thing about book adaptations? Mm. Almost. Got the absolute fans of those books, as you were yeah. with Handmaid's Tale, but aren't mm. going to do the... The next step. I think that that's the best counter that people would say to that argument. But the flip of that is that you have another problem with video game adaptation is that everybody, well, for most games, people have their story of uh, the game, yeah. which is the water cooler story you tell everybody okay. when you finish the game. So my Bloodborne playthrough, mm. to use this example, mm. I would say I did this particular thing, this is how this character, mm. my character, mm. envisions the world. Mm. If I see a film that takes the aesthetic values of the setting, but doesn't take the experience or the core values of it, 
Mm. I will feel betrayed. I'll be like, well, that's just fan fiction. That's not an adaptation. Mm. Um, it just feels like a completely different medium. And, and the thing that I think they can definitely do it. I'm not saying mm. it's impossible, but they need to decide. They mm. need to be very specific on the. You can't be all things to all people. Yeah. You have to be specific. This is the audience. Mm. This is what we're writing. Don't compromise. You know, the issue yeah. with the Assassin's Creed movie, it was a nothing movie. Right. It's been nowhere. It didn't do anything. It wasn't the game because the game is a very specific experience. Sure. Mm. And it wasn't a good film. Yes. Because they were trying to. Yeah. 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 You can be a great film, but a bad adaptation, and I'd love it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. And none of them have been just good films. I think the closest for me was Prince of Persia, Mm, which felt like a good enough film. Mediocre. Yeah. But good enough that you could ditch the source material and still be like, it's a good film. Yeah. Maybe it's if they did Viva Pinata or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Viva Pinata. <laughs> That'd well, work. That's the thing. If you had, if you had <laughs> like a... The material's broad enough. <laughs> actually, you, you say it as... But there is actually a point to that. If you had a kernel that you grew yep. from, that would be okay because it's it's small enough. Sure. Okay, but then again, that the failed for yep. um, The Hobbit because he, he grew from a small book to something ginormous. Yeah. I don't know. I think the... Um, I mean, in that case, he even took out things and added new things. Yeah. So, well, may, yeah. maybe the thing will be, like, like Legolas, um, yeah. maybe the thing will be that one day someone will actually crack a formula that works for video game movies i think it's definitely possible yeah i don't i don't know what it would be but for me i, I think that's for some of it and, and again it comes back to like with final fantasy and those games that are role-playing games with enormous long cutscenes. you know 15 minute cutscene at the end of the game for example it's like you play in the middle of the movie anyway yeah so or, in that sense or all you know in in any game by um uh, what's his name? Mm. Kojima. Yeah, yeah. Hideo yeah. Kojima. Yeah. Oh um, again, another Japanese developer who makes mm. uh, games that have cutscenes that last 12 hours long. Mm. You know, which, you know. Mm. <laughs> so, and are narratively spaghetti. Mm. You know, they're, they're, y- it's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. Actually, I got halfway through the last Metal Gear Solid game and I was like, okay, that game's over. And then you I'm did like, better than no, it keeps. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, hey, I'm, 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 that was good enough for me. That was a whole game. Yeah. I'm out. It's so trying to translate that kind of craziness yeah. into a tight three X or four X structure is tough. Yeah. Um, also, so here, here's my um, my counter to your Bloodborne thing, and and I'm and I'm not. So the full disclosure, I'm not taking a taking a pitch at the writers or yeah. artists to do any sort of tie-in material for for things like this. Mm. But the last time I read something like this, to me, it felt it felt empty enough that I thought of it as a completely different thing with the name being the closest tie to the original source material. Yeah, right. Mm. And that was my hesitation with this comic Mm. as well. But I would be really curious the next Mm. time we do a podcast for you to come back and tell me, no, you're wrong. It's actually very good. Yeah, I'm going to find out. So there you go. I'll let you know. Um, So I I watched the movie. Uh, it was very bad, and that always <laughs> makes the great content, doesn't it? I feel like you always watch movies that are very bad, Joel. Like it's, there's always something. It's very true. All right, what so is it? this is my this was my thought process going to see this film. I had four hours to kill because yep. two people had cancelled meetings on me, hmm. um, and I, I was in Melbourne Central, hmm. and uh, you know Heights is pretty close. I thought, well, what what's on? I don't feel like working. Sure. Um, let let's see what's on. And unfortunately, I missed, you know, there, there was some films that I wanted to yeah. see that I just, they weren't showing anymore. Mm-hmm. So they had the movie The Meg. Oh. 
No. Okay, uh, tell it, me about the Meg. Yeah, so the Meg is the Megalodon, which is the, the, the giant, giant shark. shark prehistoric. Oh, no, so one of my students was telling me about this today. Yeah, yes. right. That's right. There you yep. go. That's right. They Yes, they... Asked if I'd seen it. I yeah. said no. No, you should keep keep it that way, Nick. I said no. 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 Why would I? Um, has anyone? Has anyone? Well, I know has. a person. Is yeah. It, oh is it an God. Australian film? No, it was. So it was a joint production, I believe, between I think it was an American um, mm. uh, production company and Hong Kong cinema. I think. Yeah. Right. Um, and wow. So Jason Statham who is the yeah. main character in the film. And there's, uh, what's his name from The Office? Um, oh, yeah. The American um, Office. Dwight. Uh, yeah, Dwight. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a competent film. I'm shrugging. Mm. Uh, in, in the way that, you know, there's a fairly simple structure to the film. Yep. As a monster. It's a man in the whole story. They mm. need to kill the shark. Like, that's the story. Yep. That's all it is. Because we need another film like that. Yeah. yeah wow. Because there hasn't... Because Jaws was, it just wasn't yeah, a big enough right. shot. Nah. Exactly. Nah, it wasn't yeah. a, and that's the thing. You said escalation. It is literally a megalodon. Yeah. So this is the biggest shark. Right. Until we come up with alien versus predator versus shark. <laughs> um, versus Sharknado. Versus okay. Sharknado. I watched that. <laughs> um, so mm. I went into the film and, and this is... I So for, for, for our listeners, I've been dealing with a really terrible ear infection. And at that point, it had only affected my right ear. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm not going to pay good money to see a good film right. oh, when I've got oh, okay. this. Wow, so I will sit on the right-hand side of the cinema. Right. So the speakers are close yeah, yeah, in my yeah. right ear. And I'll get a great experience. Yeah. And I'll be able to enjoy something while being half deaf. Yep. Um, it oh. didn't help. Oh. I wish I heard less. <laughs> the dialogue it was just... No, quite I, I, I just love your thinking here. Go. I'm not gonna. Okay, so I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not feeling very well. Yeah. So I won't pay good money for a good film. I'll yeah. pay good money for a bad film. Yeah. yeah. Rather than pay good money for a good film that I may quite enjoy, yeah, but yeah. not to its fullest. Because I have that's not. A, I'm not getting that, my first. But that's you know. a bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a bizarre there's thought some, process. There's some thinking there's behind some that. Weird some quite flawed. Going on there. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. I completely agree. <laughs> um, wow. But but our listeners will know that I have a habit of watching. Uh, mm. These films as some sort of penance. Um, mm. I mean, I watched The Great Wall, mm. and, that, and that was a trophy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Megalodon, uh, the Meg. It's a it's a terrible film. Yeah, Jason Statham has not been getting better. I know it looks it looked bad enough in the preview, and then I saw the name come up as the Meg, and I was like, <laughs> wow. And just on the name alone, I was like, hard pass, <laughs> hard pass on that one. It doesn't. Uh, it's a name that gives you no indication of anything. The no. Meg. No. Could be a romantic comedy. Could be a. a yeah, the Meg. Could be. Could be. The a, Meg Ryan. A bomb. I don't yeah. Know, a megaton. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, could be Megatron. Could stand for yeah. MEG. Could stand for. I anything. don't know. Almost yeah. anything. Multiple. Ir- anyway, yeah. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. I'm, I'm keep going. You stop that. Right. Yeah. So. So that's ab- that was my. Yeah, journey into the. So you were quite uh, neg on the Meg. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I just want to cross off my very short list of movies <laughs> to see. <laughs> I agree. I think that was very bad. Been, However, yeah. I rescued it by watching the. Um, so so now both ears had mm. fully closed at this yeah, point, yep. so I could just turn everything to max. Yep. So I watched Jack Ryan the TV show. Oh yeah. Um, on on my on my nights, mm. and uh, surprisingly quite good. It um, mm. it's interesting. I think this. 
I think Jack Ryan occupies an interesting place in American culture. Mm. He's very much an American, and I remember an article that was saying this, a very Reagan hero. Right. You know, yeah, he's this yeah. honest family man that's, you know, not as um, out there as Bond, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Mm. And he's definitely not as tortured as um, Bond. Mm. Uh, it's this character who's just a good guy. Yeah, and you know he keeps saying I'm just an analyst in yeah, every yeah. film he's in yep. you have to have that line <laughs> just an analyst yep. and <laughs> now I've got to say the president yeah <laughs> and there's something refreshing about just an honest mm. nice character yeah, yeah, yeah. in a in a in a series that's mm. has some quite dark moments mm. it has some really interesting characterization with the villain um, that I think it drops the ball in the last four episodes mm. but it, it's one of those problems that you have a narrative with how do you make your villain Mm. interesting and and compelling but then also make your hero more compelling than your villain when you realize halfway in the story that oh jack ryan's less interesting than my villain but but that's that's villains are always more interesting than absolutely always more interesting yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so they give him a very narrow tail end the denouement on his journey is really abrupt Mm. Um, yeah, and right. I was actually kind of surprised because I didn't re- I didn't see the episode list. Yeah. So the last episode I watched, I was like, oh, obviously he gets away and sure. and it just ends. Right. And then you realize, oh wait, that was the arc, and I didn't see that. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit abrupt, but I still enjoyed it. I think it was a good modern take on on mm. Jack Ryan. Yeah. Um, carrying on the uh, yeah, carrying on the flag. Well, I mean, I think if you talk about you know villains who overshadow heroes, there's so many of them. You think about the Joker and Batman. Mm, uh, absolutely. absolutely. They're far yeah, more interesting. Just, oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one that really I Made found Christian odd. Bale look like a bad actor. Yeah, I know. That was <laughs> that was just crazy. Heath Ledger, yeah. incredible. Um, but, you know, like with the with the Sherlock, um, with the mm. US, not the US version, sorry, with the um, elementary. Yeah, it was Sherlock, sorry, wasn't it? The, uh, the, the, the UK the Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Yes. That's so, I mean, it was so, I personally, I don't know what you guys think, but I personally thought that that Moriarty was so good. Moriarty in that series, I just loved. Really? On edge. Yeah, I absolutely loved him. Did you not? I did not. I thought he was the best the best one I'd seen, personally. Really? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, 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 I did. I, um, I had problems, some problems with that yep. series. Uh, I just felt it was, it was very little to do with... With Holmes, it was about something else. I don't know what it was. It just happened to be a bit like yeah, yeah, Holmes. Right. It was so far removed from yes. what I that it was something completely mm. different. But let's just use the name. Yep. So yep. I, I sort I of had problems with with that. Mm. Uh, and and but I I agree. I did think Moriarty was very interesting. I know what I what drove me to stop watching mm-hmm. it was that yeah. it was a ridiculous scenario whereby yeah. they killed him. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and then yeah. he wasn't yeah. dead. Like, oh, yeah. oh, for goodness' sake! And that to me, that was jumping the shark. It yep. was like I agree. that is just so ridiculous. There was no conceivable way they hadn't killed him, mm-hmm. and they could try to come up with some sort of explanation Ooh. as to how. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I gave up. That yeah. was it. Never watched it again. And yep. that was the thing for me. I think it was kind of make or break because there was a huge risk they took by, um, you know, spoilers. Uh, well, it's not spoilers. Ten years ago now, it wasn't uh, almost. There it's is a, a statute of limitations. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> for goodness sake. Well I'm know? sorry. I just. Anyway, I'm like, it just. Scott O'Hara uh, doesn't get the man. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'll be no. to watch that. <laughs> um, I really have. One day I will. No, um, don't. Don't. Please save yourself. <laughs> I've seen Rather you watch Meg. Yeah. <laughs> go oh, through no. that. No, no, right, go through that all day. No, no, no. But anyway, no. I um, was a seventy-year-old boy. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to see. But um, no, look with um, with them uh, killing him mm. like that. Uh, you're right. And the thing for me was it was a really bold move. But I have a feeling afterwards they were like, oh. Wait, what well, do we do? What do we do now? And they I tried think so. to. I think. And they've constantly tried to kind of weave them in. Mm. But it's like, guys, 
No, because we saw them. Like, I would have loved if they had some conceivable way they could have done Absolutely, it. That's what I was hoping yeah, they would come up with. But style they mask or something, right? Well, anything. It was so nothing. Anything but what they did. Absolutely. And they never fully put to bed how Holmes actually survived the fall either. They never did that. Uh, no, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that, that was it. Yeah. And that's as the key to storytelling is that your readers have to believe. As yeah. a writer, your readers have to believe you. As soon as they lose that the belief, suspension of disbelief, yeah. then they, then you've lost them. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel for me, the mm. Sherlock Holmes series, when I started watching it, I loved it. Oh, yeah. Not because it was Holmes, but because it was a good show. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm with you there. No, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Totally. And I loved the first three episodes, so I think. So good, yeah. All of them. The first yeah, three episodes yeah, yeah, I agree. were some of the tightest television. And the actors are just were amazing. They're amazing. The They're thing. amazing. Yeah. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So I think that those three episodes were mm. so good yeah. that after that, I couldn't watch the episodes. And they mm. started to get a bit too crazy. There was yeah, a lot of this. I agree. Totally. Uh, again, escalation with Holmes and the... Yeah. The, the mind oh, thing. the mind thing. thing. It's yeah, totally. Yes. That's, that's what I mean. And it, was just, it was something else. It yeah. became yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's still there. I mean, I vaguely eventually wandered into the most recent series and I was like, look, it's still it's still a quality show in terms of the fact of how it's produced, but the, the it was inspired. The beginning of it was so inspired. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, where can you go? Yeah. Really. I think... Um, yeah, it, it was ridiculously entertaining. I th- uh, again, a same a Sherlock Holmes. The recent adaptations have been really interesting because they haven't been Sherlock Holmes mm. in the sense that Robert Downey version is an is the same problem but in a different way. It's mm. an action film, yeah. which is not what Sherlock Holmes is. But mm. they're still, in my opinion, I like them. They're good films. Mm. It's what. It's what the Hollywood does nowadays, or popular mm. culture does. It's a franchise. Yeah, yeah it is. So the flattening out of everything. And they go, yeah. we'll, we'll tell this great story. We'll do shit on What can we do to yep. make him different? Yep. Yep. You know, they, What's they, the, the point the, of all, difference? Everything's a franchise. Yeah. Whether mm. it's a football team, whether it's sport, whether it's yeah. whether it's a movie, whatever. It's all it's all franchise. Yeah. Nothing can stand alone. Mm. You know, they should have. You know, had the guts to develop a different yep. character with a different exactly. name with, a, with its own story and gone with that. And I don't no, think anyone... Yeah, yeah. Sorry to no, interrupt, yeah. Dan. I don't think anyone who had seen the Downey version, mm. if they had said, I don't know, you mm. know, Richard something, uh, the movie, and then that's mm. the movie we watched, people would have been... This is exciting and True. interesting. Yeah. It's an original right. character, and no one, so. I think, would have drawn a comparison with Sherlock yeah. Holmes yeah. because yeah. it's so no, that's far right. removed. Absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah. And they could be like, oh, you know, it has these references to, to, to classic mysteries and all this mm. sort of stuff, but upping the ante to an yeah. action film, it could have been great. But again, you're completely right, Nick. It's that idea of banking on a name mm. and then mm. trying to flatten it out. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. And, and they, it's pre-awareness for everything. Whether it was yep. the Lone Ranger movie they made you know, years back or something like that, they'll drag in anything they can to hit two audiences at once because you get the new audience who come through who haven't heard of this thing you know, and they'll get the audience who saw the original yeah. who want to come back. So that's why remakes are on the cards. Last year, I think it was, the only Hollywood blockbuster that was made, which was original, was Christopher Nolan's, um, which wasn't part of a franchise that existed already, was Christopher Nolan's uh, uh, Dunkirk. Hey, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Thank you. <laughs> beach. The beach. <laughs> beach is all I can say. Yeah, Dunkirk. And that, the yeah. only reason they got made is because it's Christopher Nolan. Sure. And yeah. they'll just, they That's can true. throw money at him and he's going to produce something. Cool. And it's not, it, it's an indication of so many areas of our life today where there is no risk taking. Yep. Yeah, There's nothing. a fear of risk taking, whether it's in business, whether you it's be in safe. popular mm. culture, whatever it is, yeah. whether it's in education, whether it's in any, mm. all the forms of our lives. Yeah. It's all risk taking. Yeah. Even the, if you, I don't know if you're, 
football fans of any description, but if you mm. watch sport today, yeah. Yeah. it's all about re- not losing possession. It's not about flair and excitement. So when you see it, mm. it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it always used to be like that for all sports. It's become, yeah. let's not lose the ball. Let's not take risks. Yeah. With, 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 with the arts, it's very much, let's, what's worked in the past, yep. let's do mm. it. There's, there's a lack of risk-taking in, in, in our lives totally, yeah. mm. uh, all around us, and I think that we're well, much the poorer for it. Yep, I, absolutely. I would say uh, mm. that one thing that's interesting, and I know that there are, there's a huge wide swathe of opinions on this, so I, I won't want to get into it too much, but um, Joel and I went to the uh, opening night of the Melbourne Writers' Festival, we should mention this, mm-hmm. um, and that this year has definitely gone for a new angle, which yep. I think has been really interesting to read the discussion. Now, you know, I, I know everyone who's in the Melbourne writing community will have an opinion on how it went, but I, I would com- one thing that I'll have to say you have to commend is trying something. Because uh, rather than, um, you know, and whether or, whether or not you agree with what was tried, whether you, you know, felt whichever way it went was good or not, yep. um, the, the fact that they're willing to, to step out, I, that does I take agree. courage. I yep. agree, totally. I, totally 100, yep. I agree 100%. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I think it, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult to praise something uh, when you're. At least this is how it's becoming. Yep. It's difficult to praise something unless you are one hundred percent supportive of it, of the ideals, of the morals, of everything behind it. If mm. you're not, mm. it, it's antithetical to you to support it, right? Yeah. So if you read a book, it's a little bit dangerous, mm. and you think, right, this is a dangerous book, or yeah. dangerous in the yeah. sense that you know it will cause some measure of. Consternation among other people. Mm. It's better not to talk about it mm. or to commend it for the things it does do well. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a certain amount there, and there's a balance, right? But, but I'm willing to give someone if I know someone's taking a risk. I'm willing to yes mm. to accept the flaws in it. And I, and, and I yeah. just I just think one area we're talking about literature. Let's yeah. talk about literature mm. uh, that I believe has. Um, um, does appreciate risk taking is mm. the Booker Prize recently. Mm. So the Booker Prize yep. recently yep. for me yep. has been the last two or three winners have mm. been books that have c- completely played around with structure yeah. in yeah, ways right. yep. and they're very exciting. Mm-hmm. And and it started with Marlon James, the Brief History of Seven Killings, which yep. which I think I'm one of the only few people that's read the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people have started it. It's like the Ulysses. Well, yeah. yeah. My wife that, started that, it. That yeah. book start when I started yeah. reading that book, and I have a fascination with Jamaica and I've been there, so I really yep. mm. Uh, got into it as when I started I go this is the best book I've ever read right? yep. now then it lost me a little bit in the middle but I stuck with it okay? mm. but what he what he was doing with with, mm-hmm. with the story um, you yep. know through traditional structure on his head as did then um, Paul Beatty's The Sellout which I absolutely loved yep. mm. and and of course um, Bardo in the mm. Lincoln Bardo, Lincoln Bardo yep. right mm. and I think they've been rewarded for it they are yep. magnificent books not without flaws but yeah. they've been recognised yeah. uh, as taking risks and I applaud, certainly applaud that yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that's the thing which we have to be we have to recognise in, in writing as well and it may this may come up in our discussion to come but uh, you know the, the world is becoming more polarized and that people refuse if there's a problem if someone says one element of a book is problematic yep. says, they'll say oh the this is problematic, is problematic. Yeah, therefore right. the book is problematic yeah. and you could say well look and, and that leads some people to reject like classic literature Absolutely. because they say oh you know look at the blatant racism in there you're like yes <laughs> well we recognize that that's yeah. blatant racism that doesn't mean we, we should say yeah you know what that is not right yeah. that doesn't mean that you're going to say that the book itself is completely wrong now unless of course the theme and intent of the book was to plug right. something 
on that, great yep. example. Mm. Yep. So a um, few months ago, I had I realized I had never read Lolita. Right, mm. okay. So yeah. I read Lolita for the first time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whoa, what <laughs> yeah. a book. Yeah. It wouldn't be published today. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. It wouldn't not. be. It was the most bizarre read I've ever had. It mm. was at the same time yep. one of the most enjoyable reads and one of the most disturbing reads. Yeah. It, yeah. it is, right? It is an absolute classic. It is an amazing book. But yep. there are things in it that are obviously so uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it wouldn't be published today, I don't believe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, Self-published? Know, I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a typical example yeah. of, yep. of people, you know, it is an absolute classic. It would be an absolute shame yeah. in the world if it was pulled off shelves. Yeah. yeah. It couldn't. That could not possibly happen, but maybe it could. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a different kind of book burning in in one sense, Ooh, which is yeah, yeah a little difficult I think as a writer and I think as as writers we feel it more keenly when when we when we sense that there's some level of clamping down on writing. Mm. Um, and I don't think it's rampant at all, but at the same time, mm. so it was an interesting thing. But uh, a lot of classic and this is something that was dear to my heart a lot of classic sword and sorcery um you know robert e howard and all of these writers mm. their works don't age well at all into uh, like the themes the way they portray characters and mm. all of that and it's easy to dismiss the entire work as as garbage without looking at the intensity and the talent that went behind the writing and sure you learn lessons from writers but that's the point mm. is that we learn lessons right um and yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where the discussion goes as well. Hmm. Um, but I think that's a good, good uh, moving point into into the writer. Um, and it's something that we've talked about briefly in the podcast before. Uh, we've talked about the social media journey of writers, and these days it being more important. Um, and this year we focused a lot on nitty gritty stuff. So um, the ideas of journeys, of voice, of genre. Um, of various genres, um, categories, the way the market looks at it. Um, but another thing that is talked about uh, quite a lot, but I think it, it's, it's right to be because it is changing um, and it changes very quickly. And that is the everyday of a writer, um, the, the routine of someone who publishes a book, uh, maybe doesn't make that, that top, the, the cream that means that your experience is therefore completely mm. unrelated to everybody just below that percentage. Mm. Um, and Nick's done plenty of work in, in freelance. He's worn so many hats uh, in his time as a writer. And I think um, having that experience will be really good for the conversation. So my first question is that what's happened that you think is the biggest change to the writer's, let's say, book tour in the last 10 years? Um, to the writers, Throwing you in the book, deep end. To the writer's book tours and, the, well, and promotion in yeah, general. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's obviously, the, it is much more expected of writers that they be able to communicate and put themselves yeah. up. Mm. Um, and what that does is obviously take away from the time they spend writing. Mm. I, I, I do some of it, but not nearly... Mm. Uh, I, I I don't particularly want to do any more than I do. Yeah. Um, mm. But I do feel for those writers who are certainly very very popular, who mm. are invited to everything. It can mm. be a lot of fun, obviously, but who are then pushed also by their publishers. Have mm. no idea how they spend any time writing. I think you've basically got to stop writing for a while. Yeah. I mean, mm. 
um, you know, you, you win a major award, your publisher puts you out, yeah, you've got to get on that trail, mm. you've got to do the festivals, yeah. you've got to do yep. this. That, that then becomes your life. I think that's that has been a, a huge change. Writers never used to have to do it yeah. anywhere near that. I mean, when I um, – the, the books – so I've written lots and lots of books for children, uh, some for adults um, – when I've done them for lots of different publishers, when I've done them for the major publishers, mm. uh, in the past you would have this one-month window of marketing. Mm. So when your book came out, you were you were yeah. literally, and it is to it does still happen to some extent. Mm. Yep. yep. Um, but 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 back then it was that was your month. Mm. Those were all the releases for that month. You did your news, your mm. newspaper, your television, your radio interviews. You did your promotion, and then on the first of the next month, that was it. You yeah. didn't hear from them again. Hopefully, the book sold a few more, but they, that that was it. Yeah. Nowadays. Yes, you get that exposure, but then you also have to go to this festival. You've got to do this, yeah. and you've got to do that, and you've got to keep tweeting, and you've always got to keep new mm. angles. And yeah. there's, there's been much more of the marketing, the sales has been put on to the writers, to yeah. the authors themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. much more of that has been put onto them rather than the publishers. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's. Yeah, it's, it, people talk a lot about the platform that you build um, for promotion, and this is a, an interesting one. Like, I think I was saying, you know, I've, I've never sold a book directly from Twitter. I, mm. I never have. That's not what people are there for. So, you know, um, as big Twitter following as well doesn't guarantee that you're going to keep people. And the thing about social media followings is that you don't own them. Yeah. Uh, that you you partake in a platform which is owned by a company, and uh, they could change it at any minute. They change their mm. algorithm on Facebook. Suddenly, you you aren't getting as much exposure for your um, for your posts and things like that. The thing that you can own is you know your own mailing list and stuff like that. So the traditional mailing list uh, still actually plays pretty well. But yeah, there's this big emphasis on kind of platform, and um, sometimes you see the the reverse as well that people with a platform often now uh, it's it's it can be there's an easier mm. um, first step into publishing that can happen. The amount uh, one thing that I've seen a lot recently, you've seen more um, uh, celebrities who have children's books come out for example i was reading yes, jimmy jimmy yes. fallon's uh I mean, jimmy fallon's name was attached to a book about i don't know like i love you mummy or something and i'm just like what is this <laughs> i mean it just it's just got jimmy fallon's name attached now some of the books are pretty good you've got to say not not all of them are you know but there have been occasional ones where we're going okay that's an interesting i didn't know that person was uh you know into into literature particularly but here we go all right mm. um yeah the jimmy fallon one i'm not going to say is the greatest quality but yeah so the the platform does uh pay play a, a factor and that's because of that uh emphasis you mentioned nick on actually the the author themselves putting it out there so if you've got someone who's got this big following you know jimmy fallon has a tv show which is national in the states you know he's going to be able to say on that oh by the way i've got a book coming out and bam yeah you know, puts that on instant... his desk and you've got exactly. you know, a couple sure. million people watching exactly yeah. right so yeah that's of course an extreme example sure yeah, but I, yeah. I'm still very old-fashioned. Mm. I still believe you write a really good book, I'm, it will sell. Yeah, yeah. I'm very old-fashioned. I, yeah. I just believe. Look, there's a lot of stuff out there that's not that good. Yep. And mm. uh, but I believe if you write a really good book, uh, a really good story, people will come. It'll, it'll people will come. It'll sell. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I would say from my observation, uh, it, it, I, I agree. I agree definitely in, in theory. I'd say if you write a great book, it, it will eventually get published. As to whether it sells can be, that can be the struggle maybe. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like the, the advice you often give to people who are just starting out writing it or thinking about stuff. And I would give, to, the advice I would give to myself when I was starting out writing as well would be just write, you know, yeah. write quality. Because in the end, if you don't have quality, there'll be an end point to that. Sure. Mm. 
you know, and I, so I totally agree with you, Nick. Um, on, it, on it, it's curious. I was having a conversation with a writer um, a little while ago, and we were talking about the pressure that uh, sometimes publishers um, put on authors. Um, and that's not, you know, everybody can, you know, choose the work that they work for. But, mm. you know, you want to keep the ball rolling. You want to keep getting published. And if your publisher says, well, you, you know, the series... You know, uh, the book comes out mm-hmm. um, a year after the first book, which means that we need arcs ready to go six months after the release of your previous book. Mm. So while you're touring in mm-hmm. Europe and America and yeah. Australia, yeah. I don't know how you can do that? You yeah. got to write a quality novel in less than five or six months. Well, it's not just that. If you remember, particularly if it's the second yeah. one and you've mm. had success with yep. it, yeah. you've got to realise, remember, that that first one has probably taken, yep. on average, six to seven exactly. years. Exactly. Yeah, six it. to seven years and suddenly yep. it sells and the publisher wants another one out yep. in 12 months. Tell them to get stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, true. No, yeah, you're right. but, but in that way, on a financial thing, if you don't tell them to get stuff, you do really well as long as you can keep your audience. Mm. And there are plenty of authors that are, have managed to keep their audience publish every year. Maybe they published three books a year <laughs> with various publishers, three, three books a year. Yep. Where do they eat? Where do they sleep? <laughs> I'm, I'm, and the thing that I think I find despairing mm. is that because the, the name and the brand of these authors have become so big, mm. Uh, there's the, the the pressure on a smaller author to mm. who then pitches to 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 a publisher and the publisher's like well mm. let's go kid mm. in in that respect do you think that is something that is happening nick yeah um I, I was, there was just something you just said there that I was I was I was going to comment on mm. and mm. it was about the go for it. about the I've, I've just lost my train of thought it was about <laughs> it was about the big the big author you would you were just mm. saying that um Mm. I've, I have lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah that, come, so that's fine. I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass on this one. I'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah, I'll come, sure. I'll come back to it. I think I was going to disagree with you on something. <laughs> that's why I'm really annoyed that I forgot what it was. You're annoyed too. <laughs> You're welcome to. Please, yeah. please disagree with us. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, it's it is a, a tough one because yeah, the the it, it, the publishers. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on publishers, obviously, to to come up with the next um, the next thing that's going to sell. Um, and but at the same time, I, when I talk to people in publishing, you know, still passionate about telling great stories. You know, they're still really wanting to publish great stories. There, there's just the reality of it in the end as well that you still have to be able to have a viable business model, mm. and that's where the tension comes in. And authors kind of, I think especially green authors walk into the middle of it without any idea of the, the maelstrom they're walking into, you know, that you've got this pressure to have a, a viable business that's doing mm. well. And you're also trying to, you know, yeah. You, I know what I was going to say. Yes. Go on. And, and it ties in with this as well. Yeah, yeah. Great. I think, I think writers are very unrealistic. Yeah. Mm. I think one of the problems is they do expect to make money out of, out of books. Yeah. 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 And I don't think you can ever write, particularly in Australia, mm. write a book, uh, with the with the hope or the expectation or for the reason of making money, mm-hmm. you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It, it, if it if it happens, it happens, but it's going to happen to very few. Mm. So you've got to you've got to write because you love writing it and something. Yeah. Mm. So there again, you you can get that brilliant first novel out, but then if the second one is only going to be for money, yeah, you don't yeah. know. That works in a very very different way. It operates on a very different level. But mm. you're right, um, too many writers do not have uh, are not business savvy. It's yeah. one of the reasons yeah. 
I've managed to make a living for a very long time. I'm not the greatest writer in this country by a long way. Mm. I'm a good writer, but not a great writer. Mm. But I have got a business. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit business savvy, and and most writers aren't. And 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 so they they don't or won't understand how publishing works. They don't care how publishing yeah. works. They think all the attention's got to be on them, and and mm. look, I'll just give you this, and the money will flow, and and everything's to be done quickly, and you know, and it doesn't matter if I'm a month late with my manuscript without realizing that the editor and the proofreader yeah. are all lined up and to go and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think the best thing that a writer can have is a is a business savvy brain mm. or an interest in in the business of publishing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned very early on that if you hand things in on time, mm. if you accept. Um, editorial comments and, and what have you and you don't complain too much uh, and if you have open communications with the publisher that automatically puts you in the top 5% because mm. the other 95% of writers do not have that <laughs> yeah. right so it's not hard yeah. to be in the top 5% of, of, yeah. of, of writers yeah, yeah? I think the the moment that I came to be at peace with the reality of the industry, mm. I think, was when I realized that it was an industry. I mean, I know that sounds the silly, Zen right? moment. But you you just have to drop the you got to drop the rose yeah. yeah drop the yep. rose tinted glasses and say okay. Yep. And I think I think I was staring perhaps at another celebrity published children's book when I thought that <laughs> when your eyes like, gloss over, I was like, you know what? Yeah, realization. <laughs> you you got to make a buck, sure. and that's, that's the bottom line, though. In the end, um, but you, know, you don't got to make a buck, right? Mm. Like that's the point. No, but the publishers have to. Yeah, yeah the, the publishers. Yeah, Sorry, the, the publishers yeah, yeah. have to. The publish, no, yep. not the... No, I mean, I was, the author, yeah. no, the publishers, absolutely. Absolutely, it is a business. I, I don't think I've seen the light die in an author's eye when I've broken <laughs> the, to them, you know, that the average Australian author might make $10,000, you'd yeah. be doing, you know, well. Sure. I mean, if you're doing really well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right, you're doing well. So, um, you talked, and you talked to so many authors I've talked to. Now, how do they, how are they making a living? Well, the, the way that they're often making a living is through either their part-time but if they're doing it full time, they're in schools a lot. They're touring. Yeah. They're out there doing workshops. Mm-hmm. They are just going for it to to help to to bridge that and also to sell books as well. Yeah. As they go. And I and I think the 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 you know the 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 wizard behind the curtain a lot of times is a partner who's willing to yes help yeah. uh, oh, quite absolutely. substantially yeah. uh, in some cases family you know whatever <laughs> it is. Mm. Um, you know they bear a heavy burden a lot of the times for the for the person writing, but you see the writer on the stage and and you know somehow you think that their books are selling and making them a living and that's you know yeah. a bit of an illusion sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so here, here's another um, uh, issue or thought process that I'm going through, and that is so this is this is. Um, something that I've seen in specfic, but it, it applies to a lot of other genres as well. Um, and that's the idea of, uh, since you have this this quick turnover for a lot of authors who, who are in the, the top, you know, 10 or 20 um, bestsellers, they're, they're mm. you know, they're producing work incredibly quickly, ridiculously yeah. quickly in standards, you know, you'd never have seen um, mm. before. Um, the work in and of itself is is good and it's good quality which means people are reading it and people are enjoying it and it's popular fiction but at the same time uh, the i wonder if that puts a uh, thought in in an author who who is submitting a book you know blind and mm. you're going in and you're either going to an agent and you've you know you've written 10 novels so you're not a in when people say debut mm. novelist that's yeah. not true because you know you've spent your whole life writing kind of a deal um and and so the publisher sees a value proposition that maybe isn't worth it in that sense. Do you think that's a fair fair assumption, Nick? 
I'm not quite sure I understand the question. I'm not quite sure what you're in asking. The idea, yeah, I also don't in the, the idea that... <laughs> okay, there we go. I, I, I ran tails around my own argument. You did. Just there like, we go. Get, what's the straight line? What, what's the line yeah. from A to B? All right, yeah. well, the line from A to B is that if you have a novel that is maybe a little formulaic, yeah. but mm. it's captivating, yeah. right? but you have a novelist that has an edgy structure, sort of, sort of like the examples you brought up earlier. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But they're writing in a genre that is, you know, it's not the, it's not literary fiction. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they don't have yeah. the room. Mm. That work is more likely to be passed up. I, I, I think it entirely depends on the publisher. Yeah. I think that's mm. one of the things as a writer, you've got to pick which publishers you, sure. you mm. go for because there's so many publishers, you could be wasting your time. Yep. So one mm. publisher might take this edgy thing and go, mm. I so want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I so want to do this and I don't care if I lose money on it this time yep. because I, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to invest in this author. It's very exciting. Yep. Mm. And you'll have another one that goes, no, I'm not going to take this, but this one, I know I'll sell the 10,000 copies and the money will yeah. come through and that's, <laughs> mm. that's fine. Yep. I think it depends very much on... On the publisher. Yeah. Where yeah. do you think that split is in terms of where publishers are? Like, do you think it's more likely that an indie publisher would take a risk like that or a bigger publisher would take a risk to compensate? It has uh, the that's leeway. That's a good question. The, the, uh, I, I think that the um, recent history mm. would suggest that the edgier things are coming out from smaller indie publishers, yeah. but that hasn't always been the case. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I think when we talk about publishers, there's two ways you can use yep. the, the term publisher. You can mm. talk about the company, but you can also talk about the individuals, the people who are publishers, mm -hmm. commissioning editors and yeah. publishers, yep. and, you, and it very much depends on them. And they can champion something within a huge, within Penguin Random House, a yep. particular mm. publisher can champion this, mm. and, and, mm. and if they've got the passion for it, they can talk their way into yeah. having it published if it's not even if it's not commercial it can happen that way just as well so yeah. it depends mm. very much about getting it's very much about getting the um the manus your manuscript in the hands of the right person rather than the right necessarily the right publishing company the the commission editor or the publisher who who sees your manuscript mm. uh if they if it excites them mm. they're going to push it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i guess it comes down you know like you said right at the start it's that, that quote, and I, and I forget the person who made it, but be so good that they can't ignore you, yeah, right? In, in that that's way true. that the work should speak for itself. Mm. Um, so there's, there's another tack that I want to change here, Ian, and that comes to you a little bit. Mm. So self-publishing nice. throws a lot of this in a completely different yeah, yeah, um, yeah. frame yeah. of mind. Uh, there's been plenty of businesses built around the idea of telling people yeah. how to self-publish mm. maybe is more self-published books than... Yeah, I think so. It's a bigger, <laughs> bigger industry than the self-publishing <laughs> industry, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Mm. And one of the pervasive wow. things that I've heard, which I think holds a lot of truth, is, again, that quantity mm. that you publish, right. yeah, the yeah. regularity yeah. references the amount of money that you make. Mm. And, you know, there are plenty of examples of yep. authors that you'd never heard of that earn a lot more. Oh, yeah. Yep. traditionally published and there's a balance there as well so their yep. lifestyle is completely different too oh yeah and uh you know what um the other day on the reddit writing forum which mm. is somewhere that i occasionally visit um there's an author there who says uh she said look i make i'm making 120 grand a year us she yeah. said and uh, i want to thank you guys for helping me through it 
and I went in there and I just I knew I was like romance and I, <laughs> I went in and uh, I was like half a paragraph down and that's why I write romance there we go okay done done there are certain genres as well in self-publishing yeah. which just sweep it out you go to the top self-published books and you know nine out of ten have got a guy with a 12 pack of abs on the front <laughs> wearing a cowboy <laughs> hat or whatever you know so yeah look you, you can but Coming back to quantum. You sure that was the Reddit web- web- website you were looking yeah. at? <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. Let's rush over that real quickly. Trust me, it was Reddit. Um, I'm very clear about that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah, wrong side. The um, the the Reddit aside, um, in self publishing, your quantity is huge. And I, when I was starting mm. out, and I've, I talked about this a bit, I, I wrote about it in the Writers Vic um, magazine on self publishing. Um, you know that that when I started out, I pumped out some work that the quality was not as good as mm. it should have been because. But I did recognize, and the algorithm is part of yeah. the thing, that you put out more work, they it, get, it promotes you more. Mm. Um, so I know that I rushed my second and third um, novellas that I put out. They were definitely rushed compared to the first. And then I took a gap, and I took a, another 12 months before I put the next one out. And it's now been 18 months since the most recent one that I put out mm. there. But in that time, I went on a journey where I realized that, to me, it was more important to have the quality there than it was to get up the algorithm mm. and to self-publish. So I made a switch to say I'm going to pursue traditional publishing instead of self-publishing because um, it's just I, I could do it. And I, I mean, I could, I, the, the manuscript is complete for, yeah. you know, Beast of Balkan I've talked about before. The, the manuscript's complete. You know, it's, it's done. Is it where I want it to be? Well, it's not. So I'm not going to put it out there yet. And, you know, I want to try and, uh, and find the right path for it. So thinking about that, um, you can... I, you meet the people on Reddit, and they're there, and they're making screeds of money, yeah. pumping out two ninety nine ebooks every four or five months. The quality is definitely not perfect, but you know they do a good enough job, and they've got enough of an audience that they just you know keep on getting read. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a path there, but I think you've and that's they have an understanding of the um, business side of things, like you talked about, Nick. There, there's an understanding of that, and that's what you need for self publishing. Yeah. I so here's the. Here's my 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 uh, you know resisting the urge to to feel a certain amount of sadness to that statement. Mm. But do you feel that as well, Nick? In that sense that it is a business and they are treating it like a business and their business is write quickly, write fast, and make money. That's what, absolutely yeah. But, but I'm not sure that self publishing is that different to publishing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I mean I. I I've written I've had published more than four hundred books. Yeah, mm. never self-published yep. or with many different publishers. Yeah, um, mm. um, across the across the globe, mm. uh, and 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 published in many different countries. And and to be able to do that, you've got to work fast. Yeah, mm. okay. a lot of them are kids' books. Okay, yep. so a lot of them are kids' books. Yep. Some adult non-fiction mm. and 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 fiction and non-fiction for kids. Lots yep. of them. Um, they you've got to. Everyone I do has got to. I, I try and make it the best I can. Yep. But mm. given the time I've got, yeah. So, mm. um, so I could spend more time working and working and working on it. But financially, it's not going to pay mm. for me to do so. Yeah. So I will um, spit them out yeah. if you like. But that doesn't mean I don't care about them or that the quality. Yep. Mm. But sure, the quality is not going to be good. I can I can write a you know a kids book in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And send it to the publisher. Some of them, some take longer, yep. some can take shorter. Hmm. Now, I could, instead of taking a week, I could take a month, okay? But, uh, I mean, but then I can't write as many. I can't get, as a, and, and I, hmm. I want to 
make a living as a writer. I make mm. a good living as a writer because that's the way I work and that's the way yeah. Yeah. I operate. Mm. Uh, I, I, I work quickly, I work fast, I know what the reader wants, that audience wants, I know what the publisher wants yep. and I'll give it to them and, yep. and I will, when the pages come back from the editor and the publisher, uh, for the, from the editors and they've got comments and stuff mm-hmm. like that, yep. I will accept that they are professionals and experts and know their stuff yep. and I won't argue with them and I will accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't demand to look at every stage and every page because yep. I trust that they know what they're doing and they want the best for the book. I've met so many writers that will argue and they want to mm. see every stage of it. I get a publisher ring, uh, I've had publishers ring me and say, look, we're up to the second pages. Yeah. Do you want to see them? Or And I say... I said, just send me the copy when it's finished. I've yeah. had enough of it. I've, I've given you the first draft. I've <laughs> yeah. looked. I've answered all your queries. Unless you've got a query, I don't care yeah. until you send me the final copy. And they go, yep. oh, breath of fresh air. <laughs> right? Yeah, they love it. Right? They love oh, it, but that's yeah. very rare. Yeah, but yeah. if I'm going to write and make a living out of writing, that's how, what, how, mm. what I decided very early mm. on that that's what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I think, yeah, and, and in that respect, you're, you said something that you're writing to the publisher's needs and the audience's needs. And would you say that's a different tack to say mm. someone who's writing something else? Mm. And Absolutely. they're then trying to sure. to fit around uh, a round block into a square hole in that sense. Well, there'll be writers that say, I only write for myself. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's absolutely yeah. valid. And there is some creative stuff that, that I have done where I would say I'm writing for myself, but I'm not necessarily, it's going to be harder for me to get it published. Yeah. yeah? So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, it, and they can spend longer doing it. And it would probably, they will it would probably be better than anything I can possibly write myself. But mm. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I'm mm. yep. getting books out there and earning and. and yep. Um, so look, um, I think it's part of that business mm. sense of understanding that you do have an audience and you can't just do it mm. for yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you've got to think about these things. Mm. Yeah. yeah. When you were, when you were self-publishing Ian, and mm. I don't mean to like make you the self-publishing guy in That's this discussion, fine. but in That's that fine. sense, um, you have a lot more experience than I do in it. Cause I sort of put Amen. my hand to the self-publishing <laughs> bucket and then cut the hand off. And then it was like, I have nothing to do with you, Han. But you you stuck around. You mm. are sticking around in yep. that sense. Would you say that's something that you are... So mm. it's something that I always say is that you're having two different conversations. You know, mm. In traditional publishing, you're having a conversation with a different um, set of expectations almost yep. than what you would in, on, say, an ebook, And that has definite crossover. I'm not, mm. I'm not discounting that. Mm. But would you say that... Where, where do you stand now than when you, when you were starting out in self-publishing? Mm. Um, I think the the key thing for me is making sure that you produce you know, quality work yep. in what, whatever medium you're doing. Um, for me, it's more about distribution and the sure. fact that um, I'm only getting to a certain audience through ebooks. Yep. Um, and I'm not prepared to put in the time uh, to get myself into bookstores, which is quite a, a mission to do yeah. for for someone who's. Um, it's not an easy thing to do in terms of mm. that. So what I'm looking for with traditional publishing are the marketing channels mm-hmm. and the expertise that they have. Um, to get uh, print books out there. So that's been my thinking with going to that medium. Now, it's slowed things down. That's why there isn't anything new out there from me in 18 months because mm. it's you know going and, and submitting and uh, you know uh, it takes time. And yeah. so I, I guess I've just been willing to make that sacrifice for me and I, get, I figure at my life stage it's okay at the moment you're having a young baby to yep. be a little bit slower in what's happening. So yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it, there's definite knowing who you are as a writer is really important. And, and what and you Nick, want. Yeah, yeah, and I know, Nick, it's very clear that you know you know who you are, you yeah. know? And it's also important to know who you're not. You're not sitting down there. If someone comes to you to talk about a children's book, you're not sitting down and say, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a 120,000-word manuscript that kids are going to love, <laughs> you know, and this is it. Uh, and you if know, they don't, then I'm going to decry the current... Uh, the <laughs> dearth of children's <laughs> literature. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But, yeah. you know, knowing who you are and, and knowing who you're not is very important, I think, and that's part of finding your voice and then finding your niche and yeah if you're going to make a living as an author you do have to have you've got to you've got to have a plan of some sort and i think that that's where many many writers might fall down mm. is is that the fantasy of the um you know, I read a great article which was about the fantasy of the writer's life, and it talks about you know writers traveling through. I think I shared it with you, yeah, Joel. Yeah, it's great. Writers traveling through post-war, you know, Europe and, and after World War Two, and how it gets fantasized about. Why did they go there? It was cheap. Yeah, they could afford to. They weren't making any money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they went to these, you know, all, all these photos of writers sitting around in you know abandoned houses with uh, broken chandeliers. You know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was cheap. People, yeah. it's not because it was some romantic dream that they were able to live freely because of the screeds of money they made. Yeah. Okay, sorry, that's a rant now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll just back up yeah, uh, yeah, slowly from this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, you make a very good point, and I think that idea of knowing what you're comfortable with is what mm. you're willing to do and you know in that and putting you know what lifestyle you're comfortable with as well i think expecting a certain thing and then just trying desperately and then decrying it when it doesn't work it's tough but i mean it's an industry so you know we make our way in it mm. um well i want to thank you nick for coming on the podcast Absolute lovely pleasure. to have you my pleasure Joel. thank you very much for inviting me fantastic so tell us where people can follow you where people <laughs> see your work <laughs> what have you got for us nick uh Any okay events? Uh, events and, and okay so yeah i'm not a huge <laughs> social media fan um but i do uh well, I, if I can, I'm a chair of Writers Victoria, so I can direct people to the Writers Victoria website for any assistance they want on, 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 on writing. Uh, that's uh, the plug for that organisation. Absolutely. I also, um, I do run a an event three or four times a year called the Spirit of Punk, mm -hmm. which is an open mic event for emerging writers to to read some of their work or to come and perform some of their work or even just to come along and listen and and write something. The idea of it is that. Um, the name suggests the spirit of punk that is all about just getting up and having a go, yeah? sure. and it's mm. it's not you don't have have to have done it before. In fact, many people who come along have never read, and it's it's mm. a, it's the idea is to create an environment in which people feel comfortable just having a go, mm -hmm. rather than some of these open mic events that are very professional. You got to put your name down, you got to mm. rehearse. This is just turn up, your hand up, and have a go. Mm. And um, so the next one I've got of on of that the last one for the year is in the end of November and it's um, Thursday the 29th of November at Buck Mulligan's Whiskey Bar in High Street Northcote uh, I think about 6.30 and I do have social media for that I got a, there's a Facebook page and a Twitter thing thingy <laughs> and apparently an instagram thingy <laughs> and it's Spirit of Punk or The Spirit of Punk or something like yeah. that I don't as you can see I'm not but it is it is there you'll find the details about oh there's a website that's right, yeah, yeah. which go. is either thespiritofpunk.com.au or spiritofpunk.com.au. I can never remember. <laughs> but if you Google Spirit of Punk, yeah. it'll come up. It's there. It'll yeah. come yeah. up. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just busy working on eight different books at the moment. Wow. <laughs> so you, you won't see a huge amount of me around, <laughs> but I do, I do like to get around. That's good. There you go. Thank you.
Ian, how about yourself? Where yeah, can you we find you, Mr. Internet Famous? Find me on Twitter at IHLaking. Oh. oh, wow, as if people didn't already know. And just, yeah, if you Google Ian Laking, it's the first thing that comes up, Oof. so that's all right. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's quite fun, you know. Mm. Uh, if I can also echo uh, Nick's... I know Nick plugged Writers Victoria. I have a lot of time for Writers Victoria. Um, I'm not just saying that, Nick, because you're here. <laughs> um, but, no, genuinely, um, if I can plug anyone who's listening around the world, wherever you are, if you can get in touch with your local uh, Writers Association Society, uh, one of the best things you will ever do do is to meet other writers um so i highly recommend it yeah so find me at ih lacking um it'll be fun come and see the kangaroo video getting retweeted i do have a personal twitter i do have a a oh there you go do you remember it nick here we go you're on the spot it could be nicholas brash or n brash I know. Anyway, <laughs> somewhere if you googled, <laughs> there's not that many brashes in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one or the other. It's yeah. So, it's so people follow you though. There's no expectation for you to, to <laughs> follow. I won't back. look at it. <laughs> okay. But you could go. send me a message through there, and I think it gets onto my email somehow. There we go. So there you go. Yeah, so yeah, I guess good. next DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Next DMs are open. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, so. Ladies and gentlemen, you probably know where you can find the podcast because you're listening to us. Um, and if you're not, you should probably do that. You can find us at the, uh, what is it? What's our, what's our Twitter? Spec Fick Vic. There we go. I eventually, it's yeah. been a while. And, yeah, it's you know, fine. At Spec Fick Vic on Twitter. You can find um, specfic.com.au is the website of the festival that's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the dates have been announced in the recent newsletter. You should sign up for that, which is the March, the March 15th and 16th mm-hmm. at uh, Gasworks Theatre in Albert Park. We really want to see you there. Um, and we have some exciting news that we will tease out in the newsletters, so make sure you subscribe there. Um, and I think that's about it. Oh, that's right. You can, you can find me, uh, Joel Martin. If you Google it, I won't come up. Uh, I, I think there's a footballer or That's a fun. hockey That's player. Fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always the way. <laughs> Joel Martin. Yep. Um, but you can follow him uh, at the first link. <laughs> yep. uh, and me at the pen of Joel on Twitter. I hardly tweet. I will direct you to a tweet that I retweeted from the author Alan Baxter. Mm. And uh, he has a shirt that you should check out. It is about an Amazon review. And it is, it is pretty glorious. So go on my Twitter, Alan Baxter. Um, has a tweet there, buy his shirt. There you go, that's my plug. Um, We have a few podcasts coming out with really exciting guests, so don't forget to tune in next time. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next episode.